So one of the things I want to go ahead and ask you to do, and even if you're new to New Life, you, you, you can play along, uh, but there was a, a, an orange Connect card on your chair that looks like this, and there was a, a pen, and if you could just go ahead and retrieve that card, retrieve a pen, and go ahead and just put your name on it legibly, uh, that would be really helpful. And then if you're fairly new to New Life, you're not confident if we have your phone number or your email, if you could add that on there as well. There will be a purpose for all this, and by the way, we will not spam you. Uh, I define spam as nothing more than like once, sometimes twice a week, uh, but we try to communicate with everybody with things that are going on. So if you could just take a minute, write your name on there, and if you don't think we have your phone email, put that on, and then just kind of set that aside for the moment, or you can hang on to it. Uh, as most of you know, there is a little sporting event that's happening this evening. Uh, most of us are pumped because we are fans. I will have to admit, this is actually the, yes, this is actually the first year that Sean and I have like fully, we've like not missed a game, really followed through. It's been, uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, some of you are not really sports fans, and that's okay. Jesus loves you too. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of you, you're Taylor Swift fans, so you're the fan of Taylor's boyfriend. You know, there's the whole Travis and Taylor love story. It's been so romantical. Uh, as a father, I will have to say, I've actually enjoyed, now I don't have daughters, but I have friends who have daughters. I've enjoyed all the pictures, the short videos, capturing girls of all ages, watching Chiefs games with their dads, and the dads are celebrating that their daughters have finally become football fans, and this is something that they can do and experience together. And in fact, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I'm sure it'll play during the Super Bowl. There's actually a major skincare product company that is actually tapping into this whole phenomenon, and, and they do like a really moving commercial, so you get to look forward to that. Uh, for some of you, you're just simply of a fan of an excuse to get together with friends and have some food. It's usually unhealthy, but eat lots of fun food, laugh at some of the funny commercials of the year because they're playing, paying like three bazillion dollars for 30 seconds. So it's going to be fun and funny. Uh, some people get super extra, uh, like this particular guy right here. He decided that he wanted to spend every Chiefs game at Arrowhead without having to travel to Kansas City. So he made his whole front yard this. And I'm, I don't know about you, I'm curious how some of you would feel if your neighbor made this their front yard. Like I'm a fan, but it's time to move. Uh, but what may come as a shock to some of you is as awesome as being a fan is, being a fan isn't the same as being on the team. Uh, being a fan does not put any points on the board, which is the goal. I mean, we can wear the jersey, we can get all painted up, uh, we can show up in the stands and scream our heads off, or we can be at home and be the greatest armchair quarterbacks that have ever existed. But at the end of the day, we are still just a fan. And when it comes to sports, that's fine. I mean, fans are part of what makes it fun and feeding off the energy, but here's what I'm headed with this, and it's just coming to a question close to home. When it comes to Jesus, are you just a fan? When it comes to church, are you just a fan? And the fact is there are a lot of fans when it comes to faith, but there aren't as many in-the-game followers. And being a church, being the church, and doing church requires followers, not just fans, because it's 100% a team effort. In fact, yesterday, Sean and I, in fact, she and I are debating on what actually was said here, but I, I know I'm right. Uh, we were listening to some sports commentators, and one, one, of them said, one of them said something simple and profound, uh, that when it comes to football, and, and most of you know, you've got 11 guys on the field, and he said, it's 11 people ultimately doing one job, 
It's not actually 11 people doing 11 different jobs. That ultimately there's one job, and that job is to get points on the board. And yes, they have different roles, but that is the job. And, and when I heard that, I immediately thought, that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. It is a group of people working together with their many different gifts, their different talents, their different resources and positions to accomplish one job. And that one job that we're trying to accomplish isn't to make fans and to keep them happy. You know why? Because there are simply more than enough individuals who are simply fans of Jesus, simply fans of the church, and there are more than enough churches designed to keep fans content. But from the very beginning, we have existed for something different. From day one, we started this church community to help people become fans who become followers, who make more fans, who become more followers. And this, what we're attempting to do, is not easy. It's hard. And seven years in, we're still learning how to do this better, but there is no greater thing that we could be doing with our one and only lives. So once in a while, it's important to take a time out, a moment where we can clarify, where we can regroup, where we can refocus. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're taking a time out from our current series because I love this church. I love this community. I love those of you who make up this community. And I love all the reasons behind why we launched this church seven years ago, the driving vision behind why we exist, because I'm convinced just as much today as I was at the beginning that Wichita needs the kind of church that I believe God has called us and created us to be. And if this is your first time and joining us in the room or joining us online, this morning is going to be a little bit unusual. Uh, but it will give you a raw inside glimpse into who we are and why. And my hope is that you'll come back next week and even decide to get into the game with us. Now, for those of you who have joined us in just the past few years, uh, there may be important parts of the genesis of this community that we call New Life Wichita that you may not be aware of, but it is an important part of our story. And it ties to what motivates us and why we do what we do and how we do it. Uh, two weeks before Easter in 2016, I was the associate pastor of a large church here in Wichita leading a fast-growing, vibrant ministry, especially when it came to college and career adults. I had recently been promoted to lead three different departments with nine other leaders under my supervision uh, when abruptly the elder board went around the senior pastor to fire me for, and I quote, the board feels that you are too outreach-minded. And then over the next three months, they ushered out another eight pastors and directors, including the senior pastor, who were deemed too outward focused. And for my wife and I, this was devastating. We loved this community. We loved the people we worked with. It was heartbreaking. It was confusing. It was discouraging. And combined with some other very painful experiences for my wife and I, any sane person would have walked away from the local church and full-time ministry. But the problem is, I'm not a sane individual. The problem is that many years ago, Jesus invaded my life with his extravagant love, his extravagant grace, and being fully engaged in God's redemptive work through the local church and in this broken world and in broken lives, that passion, that calling, that conviction had not ceased or stopped, especially knowing how there were very few churches out there that were truly concerned with the increasing numbers of unchurched, the de-churched, the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S. So after a series of events and conversations over the next couple of months, it culminated 
with a core group of like-minded, mostly young adults, asking, what if we were to plant a church in Wichita that from its inception could be considered too outreach-minded? A church designed with the unchurched and de-churched in mind. A church where the unchurched and de-churched could belong and serve, even serve, before they believed, or as they figured out what they believed and discovered. A church that was deep in its theology, but wide in its reach towards those on the outside. And we made the decision to take on one of the most difficult endeavors anyone could take, and that is to partner with God in creating a church that the unchurched or the de-churched would love to attend and engage. And we spent the next several months meeting every single week through countless hours of prayer and discussion and debate, and I like whiteboards and flip charts and in scripture, and little by little, it started to take shape. And then the coming weeks, we added around another 20 individuals who became part of our launch team, a group of people who wanted to be more than just a fan, that they wanted to be fully invested followers on the team, ready to commit their time, their talent, their financial resources to making this whole thing happen. And then in January 2017, we launched weekly Sunday services. And since that time, we have celebrated men, women, and young people going from fan to follower, finding and following Jesus, men, women, and young people going public with their faith and baptism, like the five young individuals just five weeks ago. We've seen marriages start strong. We've seen marriages saved. We've seen so many individuals and families who had almost given up hope that they could find a church community for them, for their friends, for their unchurched family members, but then they found new life, and after one visit, they decided this is it, this is the place. We have seen lifelong friendships and relationships that have been formed over these past seven years. People who have become closer with other new lifers than they are even with their own blood family. We have seen new lifers again and again come alongside one another to celebrate big life events like new jobs, engagements, marriages, new life being brought into this world. I think if, if I'm right, uh, one of my, Elizabeth, is she in here? She's not in here. I think we've actually gone, started new life and not had any like week where we didn't have somebody pregnant here. We're going to grow this church one way or another. We have witnessed again and again this this community and family then close ranks around individuals who were experiencing struggle and grief and pain. We've witnessed again and again this community rallying around family members experiencing financial or health challenges or the trauma of miscarriage. Some of you were here last spring when Katie Hagan spoke while I was on sabbatical and she shared about her and about her husband experiencing like all in a very short period of time uh, job losses, a miscarriage, cancer, major surgeries, and this community showed up with meals and provided child care and, and cleaned their house and did laundry. I remember one day showing up and one of our leaders, T.J. Lawson, I was there to do laundry and he was there ready to swap out. He had been cleaning the house and, and some went up to, uh, to, to Mayo Clinic to spend time with Dylan as he went through his cancer treatments. And for five years, New Lifers gave hundreds of hours of volunteer time and tens of thousands of dollars to help the under-resourced by providing monthly opportunity for clean laundry and a meal through Project Laundry. And in two, 2020, during the COVID shutdown, this community showed up and helped provided for people who suddenly could not produce income. And together, we helped with gas and groceries and rent for college students and single parents and students and struggling families. In 2020, 2021, 
New Lifers helped raise over $13,000 for ICT-SOS to help them in their work in ending sex trafficking and helping victims in the Wichita area. And then in 2022, our small church garnered citywide attention as we ran point on collecting a, a, a huge number of critically needed med kits and raising tens of thousands of dollars to help establish and fund shelters for women and children fleeing the carnage of what was happening in Ukraine, with my wife Sean and I being able to personally travel into Poland and Ukraine to personally deliver these resources and to look into the eyes of these terrified women and children and to share with them the motivation behind our help, which was ultimately the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ. And when I, when I actually take a moment to consider all that we have been able to experience and accomplish together and be a part of and who we are today. I, it just, I'm just in disbelief. Like only God can make that happen. But here's the thing. This, this is only the beginning. And, and with all the wins and all the wonderful things, we've also experienced some challenges. Uh, we've been a few months now where as a whole community, we've not been actively engaged in a local partnership to serve in the areas of compassion and justice, and that can't continue. And last year, we had a few families and individuals transition away from new life, each one for very personal reasons. And, and I and my bride feel every single one of those departures deeply. You need to know it. But what keeps me focused and what keeps me determined is knowing who we have been called to be and what we have been called to accomplish as a church and ultimately His calling on my life and on yours. Now, a few years ago, I had an experience that I'm, I'm not used to. We had just finished up a, a ministry planning meeting when one of those present approached me to tell me that they had noticed that there were several administrative things that I had done to prepare for the meeting that someone else could do that uh, my time could be better spent. And then she said some of the most moving words that have ever been spoken to me. She said, I would like to volunteer to be your administrator. <laughs> and a tear may or may not have formed in the corner of my eye. Because this is not my normal experience as a pastor. Usually it is me having to approach people, to invite them, to inspire them, to become more than just a fan, to actually get onto the team. And after she said this, she followed up with the question, what can I do? So this morning, I want to pretend that all of you are asking me that question. Uh, I'd love for you to all just say this out loud. Chad, what can I do? Okay, one more for effect. Chad, what can I do? I am so glad you asked. <laughs> if you were to ask me what you can do, I have one word. Engage. I need you to engage. Now, many of you are very engaged, and you need to know I see you. I know who you are. You, you have no idea. There are some of my, day, my most difficult days you have no idea how, my, how, God, how many times God has used you to inspire me to keep moving forward, pressing towards the goal. Others of you are mildly engaged. Others of you, you're not engaged or you're disengaged. 
And I get it. While I was on sabbatical last year, Sean and I visited some local churches, and I'll be the first to admit, it was nice to not be engaged. Like, to just show up like five minutes before service, everything's ready, it's in place, I can just go and enjoy some nice coffee, great music, a great sermon, and then to just like leave immediately after, go have lunch with my girl, have a good Sunday afternoon nap. It was just nice to not have Sunday morning cost me any time, sweat, or effort, and no stress. I just got to show up. I get it. I also get, especially if you'd say, like, I'm not a big, big music person, uh, just to kind of be able, and like, I'm not pointing fingers, to just kind of show up around the second or third song, sit in a row, listen to a halfway decent message, it causes you to go, hmm, that's good. I should do that. Or I hope my spouse or my, if my friend is listening. Uh, you know, that's helpful. And then bug out and just like go have lunch and then go home and get on with your Sunday. I'm like, I'm not judging you. I get it. I'm just saying, I need, we need something from you and for you. That if you're not already, I need you to take a big step and be fully engaged. So I'm just going to give you four words, and I cannot exaggerate the importance of these simple things if you and if we are to experience all that God wants for this community and everything that we started this all off to begin with. Here's the four words. Connect, serve, give, and invite. Connect, serve, give, and invite. First, specifically, it's just a fact that far too many of you are doing life alone. And I'm not saying that you don't have people around you. We've all got people around you. You've got coworkers, you have fellow students, you have neighbors, like you've got people all around you. But the fact is that you're living a level of isolation, either as an individual, a couple, or as a family. You're too isolated. You're doing life alone. And by doing that, you're by default allowing too many other people to live life alone because you're not available for them. But we are not designed to do life alone. We are designed for authentic community. So what I'm saying is that I need you to connect. I need you to connect in a group of at least two, if not up to 12 individual Jesus followers. And I've talked about this from time to time over the past seven years. And I know what most of you think. Most of you think in this moment, like, like I really should do that. Like, I should do that. Uh, or, but you don't. Or you find reasons not to. Like I tried it once, or it didn't work out, or I didn't get along with so-and-so, or these kids, and, or maybe you just kind of tuned me out, but I just need you to listen to me. What we all need to understand, small groups or circles, it's better than this. It's better than rows. Small groups is where accountability, belonging, and care happen. It's where belonging accountability and care happen, praying together, doing life together. It's core, it's central, it's the essence of the Christian experience, not this. Jesus said, listen, the the way that you're going to show your devotion to God is by your devotion to one another. Christianity at its core is all about one another. It's about how you love one another. But here's the problem, and I totally get this because I've been doing church for a long time. The local church always gravitates towards this. It is always about putting more people in rows in a building that we all come to. That is the gravitational pull of every church. 
putting more people in rows. But when you read the New Testament, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That the way people are going to know that you're following me and for you to experience life that is truly life is by the way you interact with, connect with, and intentionally care for and treat each other. And that requires two things, frequency and proximity. So here's the bottom line. The reason that I want you in a group is because this will help us and help you experience our mission as a church. This isn't an add-on. It's not, well, I go to church and I got into a group. It's the essence. And here's something you need to know. You may not realize this. Sometimes maybe you feel like when you're watching me, it's like, you know, tinted windows that somehow I can't see you. I can see you. Like, you know that, right? So I'm, ta- I'm up here talking and I can see your faces. And some of you have experienced me sending you a personal message from time to time along the lines of, hey, I just want you to know how glad I was to see you this morning. And the reason I'm doing that, usually it's because there's been a number of mornings where I have not seen you. And then I see you, and I think I haven't seen them for two or three weeks or however long. But what you may not know is the weight of that, the anxiety that creates in me, the, the grief, the concern that it brings me as someone who cares for you because there's too many of you. Like, I can't even keep up with 15 or 20 of you, let alone all of you. And I can't, cannot do life with, their, with you the way I want to, because in my personality temperament, I, I like most of you. And I would love to spend so much time with you, but I can't. And I want, and I know for sure I can't do it in the way that God designed you to do life and for someone to be there for you. We are not designed to do life together. In fact, another thing that you may not know is in the past two years, we've had three marriages that have ended in separation or divorce within our community. I would never be so foolish as to oversimplify the reasons why, but there was one observable common denominator. None of them were actively involved in a small group. Can I guarantee that being in a small group would have saved their marriages? No. I can't, but I can assure you from personal experience and all the statistics that proves that relationships are far far stronger, far more healthy, far more vibrant for people who are involved in an authentic small group with other people. So my dream is that on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Wednesday, that there are people connected to this community that are engaged in one another's lives, that are going to pray together, that are going to open God's Word together. They're going to take care of each other. Men are going to be alongside other men as they navigate all the challenges that come with just being a man or being a husband or being a dad. And women are going to be alongside other women as they navigate all of the incredible challenges that come with being a woman 
or being a wife, being a mom, and that they're going to love each other, that they're going to provide meals for one another when one of their group is in need, that they're going to serve together somehow outside of these walls in the community to make a difference. Some will have communion together, and all of this because the church has never been and will never be facility or personality dependent, ever. The church is not a building, and the church is not built on me as the pastor, even as the founding lead pastor, because it's not about, and it can never be about, a building or an individual person, ever. The church is all about loving one another intentionally, unconditionally, frequently, and sacrificially, because life is complicated. We need one another more than we think we may need one another. And it's absolutely critical that you're not satisfied ever with just coming and being in rows, that somehow you find yourself in a morning circle or a lunch circle or an evening circle of at least two to 12 others where you are intentionally and consistently doing life with one another because it is the essence of the Christian faith and of the local church. And this year, I'm just making it a priority to streamline how we connect people in groups, how we prepare and support our leaders and host homes. But for now, this is just the next step I just want you to take. I just want you to go ahead and grab that orange card again that you wrote your name on. And if you're willing, no, like I literally want you to do this. (laughs) If you are willing to do a trial run with a small group, I just want you to put, you put your name on it. I want you to check the box next to find a small group. If you're joining us online, you can post in the comments. If you're hearing this afterwards, you can message us. And then jot down the top one or two days and times that could work for you, potentially within the next two or three weeks, for maybe like a six to eight week group. It could be breakfast, it could be over lunch, it could be over in the evening. Um, FYI, right now, I've got a man that I deeply, deeply respect from where I'm standing. He's back in the back here to the left of the back row. His name is Terry Veer. Terry didn't know I was going to put his picture up here. Oh, you got cut off. But look at all your beautiful grandchildren. So, so you can see all the beautiful people that love this man and uh, his wife. But So the cool thing is <laughs> Terry... Uh, Terry is a missionary's kid from Africa who grew up to be a pilot and then provided transportation to missionaries and others in Africa. He's a flight instructor at at flight safety, uh, and Terry is ready to start a Monday or Thursday evening group, a startup group. And I personally know for a fact two other couples that right now, they just want to get into a group. But to be able to do that, we need people (laughs) that are prepared and ready to at least try this next step. And there's no one-size-fits-all. If you're willing to give it a trial run or give it another trial run, you've tried it before and it didn't work out, that doesn't mean you give up on the, the, the main thing is wrong. It just, it just didn't work out. So jot down the type of group you'd be more, most interested, a men's group, a women's group, couples group, a mixed group. And then lastly, if for you, like area of Wichita is significant, like we moved here from Chicago, everything's an hour away. And here, that's like, that's along. So if you want a particular area of Wichita that you really want to be in, you can jot that down, like north, northeast, south, whatever. And here's the other thing. If you are currently in a group, because some of you are, 
If you're currently in an active group, would you jot that down, put down who leads it, when it meets, and if you would be open to adding new people? Because again, we have some people wanting groups. So if you're currently in a group, who's leading it, where do you meet, and if you're open to adding new people? Because we just want to do everything we can to help everyone possible get connected. Okay, the second thing, if you said what you did, Chad, what can I do? This, and, and most of you already do this, so you're going to want to say amen to this, even though you may not say amen in church, okay? But I need you to serve on a team, and here's why. So just a quick survey. How many of you, how many of you work part-time or full-time for a business to make an income? Just raise your hand. If you work, you work outside the home or maybe from home, you're trying, okay, so that's almost everybody in here. Okay, here's something you know. You know that your industry or your company or your business may do a lot of different things, but there are some things that are mission critical. Okay, there's just some things that are mission critical for things to go well. You know there's like three or four things. Uh, For those of you in the aircraft industry, you get this, like sections of the plane need to not pop off, like that's a mission critical thing. Too soon? Okay, so... uh, we got, there's just certain things, like we got to get this right every single time, whether it's in medical care, education, food service, like people not getting food poisoning, okay, things. There, there are just a few things that whatever your business or profession is, there are certain transactions that are mission critical. For us, the transactions that are mission critical that we need to get right and get it done well every time is what happens on the weekend. And specifically, when it comes to our host or our guest services, our music and tech, our children's ministry, and what we're preparing for right now is middle school, next gen. Because if we get these environments right, the weekend experience, you need to understand, it provides the best initial and ongoing connection point for all ages. Like, you need to know, my, my win, my goal is that somebody would come to the weekend service in this larger group, and then that somehow would help them, uh, inspire them to take a step into something a little smaller, something a little more intimate, a little more connected. And the s- secret sauce of the future of our church is not my preaching. The future of our church begins here, and us getting this right, the whole, from, from birth up into here, and just getting this right this is where people have a moment where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I still believe everything you believe, but, you know, I, I did connect with the message, and I want to hear more, or I, I've got friends, they'd like to hear this, or I'm not convinced about everything, but my kids love the environment, and they, they got up the next Sunday, and like, when are we going? And, if, and my husband said it's the first time he didn't fall asleep in church, so we're coming back, that's a win. I'm just telling you, if you're not already, this is where we need you to step up, to step in, and get involved. Now, some of you think, I, you know, kids, like, I don't want to babysit. I'm not a teacher. Listen, we're not going to ask you to do something you're no good at. And here's why. Because you're no good at it. Okay, so the last thing that we're going to do, want to do, is put you in a room with a bunch of kids and bore them to death with the Bible. We want kids to want to come to church. And for most children, here's the lesson they get every Sunday. The Bible, Bible's boring, God's boring, church is boring. Come back next week, children, for more of the Bible's boring, God's boring, and church is boring. 
And then they go to college, and we wonder why they never want to go to church. So don't worry. If you're not an interesting person, we don't want to put you in with a bunch of kids, okay? And the good news is, even as a small church, there's so many things that you can do within the context of the weekend experience where we can leverage your skill set, your abilities, ranging from pushing carts. I mean, I'm able to come in and push carts. I do every Sunday morning, and I push kids' carts into the room just to help the volunteers. Some of you, you've got the capacity. You've been wanting to get some steps. You've still got some holiday you want to get rid of. Okay, I'm just saying, the church is here to help. You can get plugged in. But we can leverage all that. You can make sure that people aren't getting lost. The reason we put these flags out in the parking lot is so when new people are coming in, it's a big parking lot. We're back here. Like, how do they even find us? Like, the Holy Spirit will guide you. No, we put flags out there so they can see where they're going. And some of you, you've got the gift. You could teach the love of Jesus to children. Others of you, you could help with what we're pushing out online as we try to connect online. Or some of you, you'd be great for that that first face that somebody meets when they come in as a first-time guest. Some of you have the gift of leadership, and you, have, you could make all of the areas of everything that we do better. And these environments, they've got to be hitting on all cylinders every single weekend. And we need you. We need you to be more than a fan. We need you to be on the team, in the game, especially right now, especially in our kids in next-gen area because we've got several parents and couples that are, they're taking a maternity, a paternity break. We've got like four to six individuals that for personal reasons, they're taking a break. And for the size that we are, we feel that. Like this morning, we didn't open the nursery room because we didn't have somebody for that. And we're not just going to stick some random person in there. We, we need people on our teams. And then due to some transitions, again, for us to do what we need to do to the level we want to do it, we need more of you to find a way to engage right here on the weekends, because this makes all the difference. And so on your Orange Connect card, there's a box that just simply says, find a place to serve. And if you aren't currently serving on a team, or you feel like, you know, I, I have more bandwidth, check that box, and maybe even put a particular area. The third area that we need you to engage is in an area others of us from the beginning have been doing, and that is to give a percentage. Because there's a future for new life in which we do more than we could ask or imagine beyond the walls, as well as in the walls, but beyond the walls in our community. There's a future in which we're able to bring on more staff to better engage you, to better engage your children, to better engage your grandchildren and the next generation, to better engage college students. And so that when that person finally accepts your invite to come and connect, that there's an outward-focused Jesus community, and we're ready for them. And, and I need this group to be okay, just as I am okay, with the fact it's not sexy to help pay rent. I get that. It's not sexy to help pay for website maintenance or church communication software or pay Office Depot, Office Depot, Office Depot for the children's ministry materials getting printed. And I just need us to be a group that right now it's okay to understand we can't do something spectacular with every single dollar because you understand what it takes to run a business or run, or run an organization or run and build an organization. So for this season, we need you to be a group of individuals determined Determined individuals and families who can say, I love the vision and mission of this church. And I'm, I'm okay with just being a steady plotter, step by step, choice by choice, sacrifice by sacrifice, helps us make slow and steady gains that will pay off. Because most Americans and most Christians are giving 1.0 givers. 
Meaning, if I got up here and showed you pictures of trafficked children and talked about, here's their needs, and I made you cry, and I got you involved in the emotion of the moment, you'd get all charged up, and you would give to that. And that's, that's 1.0 giving, that, and that's fun. It's, it's good. You should do it. I should do it. But giving 2.0 is what changes the world, because giving 2.0 is when you say, I am committed to the long-term vision and mission of this organization, so I'm going to be a regular giver in order to make sure the mission, the vision of our church is successful, because giving 1.0 is giving intervention. It's intervention giving. There's there's a problem, I want to help solve a problem. Giving 2.0 is better, because giving 2.0 says, I'm going to give so that there's never a problem to begin with. Giving 1.0 helps us find places for kids who are in single-parent homes. Giving 2.0 makes sure that families stay together so their kids never have to go into these programs anyway. Giving 1.0 is to give to a cause in memory of someone who's committed suicide. Giving 2.0 says, I'm going to give so that there are significant environments that help prevent people get to that to prevent people from getting to that level of hopelessness to begin with. Giving 1.0 is giving to help someone who is facing the consequences of addiction. Giving 2.0 is giving so that the person avoids addiction altogether. And a healthy local church is a great investment because it is preventative giving. It keeps people from having the problems that you and I end up having to give money to other organizations to address those problems once it's too late. Now, we have done both. And we will always do both. We're called to do both, but in order to do both, it requires people like me and, and my wife because we've been priority percentage giving since we started, just like many of you who've determined to be percentage, preventative, recurring givers, not just emotionally driven, reaction driven givers. That's why we're here today. And the fourth thing, last thing, I need you to be inviting. One of the biggest concerns from the very beginning is that we would get comfortable with the status quo of familiar faces and environments and turn our focus inward instead of remaining focused outward because here's the reality. The gravitational pull of every church is towards keeping people rather than reaching people. It just is. But the reason we started this church is because we're committed to what Jesus taught that the church is to be about. It's, it was what people created, it's that people created in the image of God would be focused on reach, reaching people created in the image of God who are far from God, who need to know that there's a Savior. So our focus can never just be the people who are here. We have to be Christ followers, working to create environments that will help make more Christ followers. Who will make more Christ followers? Because Jesus is the hope of the world. It's the people who aren't here yet, so I need you to invite people. Not because we need more people, but because when you sit through one of our services with someone who doesn't normally go to church, you experience our service and our environments in a way that you would never experience it otherwise. Some of you, you're like, you know, uh, I do like worship. And in my last church, we had like five, six, seven songs. Like, why can't we do more music? And then that person you invited, they finally show up one Sunday and they brought a neighbor, an unchurched neighbor with them. And then about halfway through the second song, they're kind of looking around because they don't know the, the words, they don't know the music. And, and you kind of feel like, oh, I don't know. And then they're standing for 25 minutes wondering, can I sit down? Like, it's just like, okay, I think two or three is enough. You know, just 
See, we're going to get that feedback from you on everything that we're doing. Why? Because now you're experiencing our environments through the eyes and the ears of a person who's not a church person. I want you all to have that experience so that you'll give us feedback, so that you'll make us better and make us accountable to the vision and mission, and that you'll understand what we do, the way we do it, and understand it in a way you didn't before. And here's the deal. We all have small or large networks of people who used to be church people, used to follow God, who don't, or who never have, or they've never heard. And sometimes, let's be honest, you're afraid to invite them because you don't know how they're going to react. But listen, you don't have to be afraid to invite them. One day they're going to be grateful that you took the chance to invite them. I mean, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he sees a guy named Philip, says, Philip, come follow me, come be one of my guys. And Philip's like, can I bring a friend? Jesus is like, yeah, go get him. And so he goes. And there's, here's this little snippet from the Gospels. Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel, and he told him, you know, we've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years. We think that we found him. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth son of Joseph. But Nathanael responded, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And Philip responded, oh, never mind. Sorry I brought it up. Just forget it. (laughs) No, Philip's like, I don't know how to answer that question. Does anything good come from Nazareth? I don't know. I've never been there. But just come and see. Because if I can just get you there, then you'll see it. Then you'll experience it. Now in 2024, we're going to continue to work even harder, to work together, to do big and small things, to increasingly become a come and see church. Why? Because you collectively, if you're a believer, are as close as anyone will ever get to being in the presence of Jesus because you collectively are the body of Jesus. I'm not. You're not. But somehow collectively, we are. And the reason many of you are here, because at some point, somebody approached you, and it wasn't maybe necessarily new life, but they said, hey, I want to invite you to church. And you're like, I'm not that interested. But then the day came that you got interested, and then you went, and then something started to happen inside of you. That's not magic. That's God's love. That's an experience. And Jesus said, when people are with you collectively, that is as close as they will ever be to being with me. So, We want to increasingly be a come-and-see church, but the only way to continue to be, to be and continue to be a come-and-see church is to have enough people who are inviting people to come and see, to experience our environments through the eyes and ears of people who aren't church people, that's what we need to do, or who gave up on church or gave up on God or had a bad experience because you will help us change that. So I need... We need you to be bold with your invitations. And the worst thing that is going to happen is somebody is going to laugh in your face and go, Church, no way. But odds are you don't even really have any friends like that. So we need you to be bold with your invitations because one day the day is going to come. They're going to come. And something's going to happen on the inside of them. And then something's going to happen on the inside of you. And even if you're not a crier, you're going to cry. And one day you will have the privilege, hopefully, of seeing one of your friends baptized. Even better, you'll have the privilege of baptizing them. And then you'll, you'll forever be a part of their story. And I want that 
so badly for every single one of you. So the bottom line is if you were to say, Chad, what can I do? Here's what you can do. Connect to a small group, serve on a team, give a percentage, and invite a friend. Now, if you had been doing that in one of those areas and you've been taking a break, I get that. I mean, some of you, you've been on four or five tours of duty in your particular area. I get that. It's just like, you know, I'm just taking a month. Or I'm just taking a semester off. In fact, we actually encourage that from time. Just, just take, you, you need to take a month break. No guilt. None. I'm just so grateful for what you've done. Life throws at us certain seasons or cycles. I understand. Now, for some of you, you started your break maybe three years ago. And you've been on break ever since. We need you to re-engage. Again, especially now, as we're having so many having to take a break because of new babies or illnesses or broken bones or other reasons right now. And others of you, this is so important. If you've been attending New Life for three years and you're a Christian, but you're a fan, and you look at this list and go, just, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit in some little Sunday school group and share my feelings, or I don't want to, I don't have time, and I'm not going to serve. It's not because I have any physical or time limitations. It's just that that would take time out of my Sunday. It might even take an hour and a half, and, and Sunday's my day. I get it. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. I, I, yeah, and I'm sorry you're a little short-staffed. It's nice that somebody got the flags out uh, on this ginormous parking lot, help guests find their way. Uh, I like that I, my family or I can show up. We drop the kids off and have like an hour and 10 minutes of adult time. And then after, grab the kids and go be off to lunch. Or I love having kids' life available. But listen, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to help. I love having come and everything's set up and there are people, they've run cables and they've hooked things up and, uh, you know, there are people who have created, they run the slides and run the sound and I'm glad for them, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. Or I might drop a few dollars in the giving box on the way out from time to time if I have some cash on me, but give a percentage, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And invite, like that would just be responsible. In my particular work environment or class, it would create unnecessary awkwardness in my classroom or in my workplace or my family. What if they say no or worse? What if they say yes, they come, and they end up not, not liking it? Or, Chad, you say something stupid? So, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, I've been here for three years, and I'm a fan, and that's just all I'm going to be. Then please hear what I'm about to say, and I'm serious. This isn't some sort of reverse psychology. I'm just as serious as I can be. I don't know if this is a church for you. I mean, you're going to go to heaven when we die, and we may be neighbors in heaven, but if after so long, if you're content to just be a fan who lets other devoted team members and others serve you or serve your family, then we're having to carry you. And granted, again, there's going to be seasons, like I said earlier, like you, you, because what's going on in your life, you need a break. We want that. Sometimes we just, you just need to be poured into and loved. I get that. But at some point, it's like, you know what? I need to get in the game. And I'm just telling you, all the volunteers inside right now, are, tell them. Look, I don't want anyone to leave. I don't want anyone to leave this community. I just need for everyone to not be content to stay fans, to get in the game and engage because we're on a mission. What we're doing is important. 
We're serious. I mean, we're, you're sitting, we're sta- I'm standing in a building surrounded by portable equipment, right? kids' life set up, things that were designed and secured and then obtained and then by people who sacrificially gave time and money. And people have come and set all this up who sacrificially give their time to create this environment. I'm just inviting you to be engaged, fully a part of, in the most important things that you can be a part of, other than raising your family, your kids, your grandkids, which is the local church because it's the only thing that reaches into the fabric of culture and community and people's lives and the heart and soul of individuals. I don't want anyone to leave, but I want you to engage to the maximum level you can engage because we are trying to do something big. We're trying to do something important, so please connect to a group, serve on a team, give a percentage, invite a friend. So check the boxes, write on the orange connect card, whatever steps or whatever step you're prepared to take and just leave it on your seat or you can drop it on the giving box on the way out before you leave because we want to do everything we can to help you take that next step. Let me pray for us. Father, there are times it can be hard to remember that Jesus said he is the one that would build the church because, Father, for some of us, certain personalities and temperament, we just we want to see the world be a better place. We're so anxious and concerned about the next generation and the challenges that they are and are going to face, and we can feel so helpless at times. But, Father, Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell and Hades and death would not prevail. And we're a part of that promise. So, Father, I pray within our community, you would cause us to experience that promise in our lives and through our lives. That, Father, that you would take this small group of men and women and young people to do something significant and dramatic, far more than anything we've experienced in the past seven years, so that when we get seven more years down the road, that, Father, we will be in awe of what you did in and through us. So, Father, by your Spirit, you help us to experience that. You lead the way. You build your church and cause us to be a light in this community that truly makes a difference. And Father, I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.